Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play and download archived editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is Payo Mahajan. Payo is an international educator based in India and has worked in K-12 school settings for 17 years. She has been instrumental in design and accreditation of international programs within schools in Indonesia, India, and Canada. She is the author of Play's Work. Payo Mahajan, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary Alice. And uh, a very good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever the folks are tuning in from. <laughs> we, we are standing both sides of the globe today and, and glad to have you. I know it's late in the evening for you, so welcome and thank you. Well, well, we said the theme of, your, of our conversation with you today is, is based on the title of your book, Play is Work. So it seems... Uh, appropriate to ask you, why is play work? Uh, I think our understanding of work is is caught up in a very um, industrial and knowledge-driven paradigm. Uh, So for us, work is when you create a product or a service outside of yourself that is uh, valued by the society. Uh, But when children work or other children play, they create themselves. Uh, the product of creation is not so evident and explicit in terms of value to the society. Uh, But once you take away that focus from the product and consider that the process is equally important, if not of greater value, uh, then you realize that work and play have similar principles, underlying principles and processes. Uh, Another facet of this is uh, the work-play differential because we use the term work and job synonymously. Now, my understanding of work is that work is a verb, what you actually do, whereas a job is a profession that's a noun, who you are. So uh, if you confuse the job for work, probably it's not play. But if you, can, if you, if you think of the work that a person does, that has very play-like traits if it's done well. Um, engagement, intrinsic motivation, perseverance, uh, problem solving, role play, all of that is associated with work well done. And all of that is, all of those are traits of play as well. Uh, So as I see it, living is work. And play is enthusiastic participation in life. So play is work. Great, uh, great formula, if you will, and I, although I, I know you don't mean that in a very structured, formulaic way, but a, a great way to, to think about it. And I assume the, the flip of this could also be argued of work as play. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's how you perceive your work. Uh, if you, you take any work that any person, any human being undertakes on, on the planet, uh, there is a play-like approach to that work. 
Um, there is collaboration there. There is constant problem solving there. Uh, there is a certain amount of dealing with new information, new challenges, making sense of that. There is an element of exploration. Uh, in, in some jobs, they may, these may be limited, but they're, they're always there. And if you start focusing on these processes, on these traits, on these principles, um, I, I personally feel that work is better done. And the product of that work, product of those processes, is far more superior. So uh, work is play, uh, but you know that has it's not perceived to be play largely because of the not just the work play differential, but for for the child and adult differential that we have. We very clearly segregated play to be associated with something children do or something people in certain professions undertake, uh, maybe artists, musicians, um, script writers perhaps, um, clowns. You know, these are professions that you associate play with. And so we've squeezed out the play and the playfulness out of the other professions. But if you look at the, 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 the engagement, the intrinsic motivation, and all the other traits that I mentioned earlier, work is play. Payal, I wonder uh, how you play in your life, if you can give some examples of what you're talking about through your own experiences in your work and also in your personal life as a mom. Because I know you're doing some of um, your research through your son and looking through his eyes at play. Uh, yes, that that has been my, my primary focus in terms of my research, my son. He's uh, five years old now, and uh, observing him and then going back and referring to some of the theoretical concepts behind that and some of the research behind what he was doing and how to interpret what I observed him do, uh, it's been a, an, a very, very satisfying uh, learning journey for me in these past five years. Um, and now I'm expanding some of that learning so that I incorporate patterns and paradigms um, that are similar in others but manifest themselves differently so that I have better understanding of the nuances of play. Um, how do I play? I think I play in a lot of a uh, lot of ways uh, which are difficult to imagine that are play that that can be playfully done. Um, when I'm working, one of the approaches that I adopt is not the completion of the work, but how am I doing this differently this time? How am I doing this significantly different this time, and yet creating either the same value or superior value out of this work? So that's one way I, I play when I'm when I'm working. Uh, as a mother, I play constantly with my son, uh, though it is a challenge sometimes because your adult agenda, especially your maternal ad adult agenda, takes over, uh, and so you have to fight that off consciously and deliberately, um, and, and 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 play that subservient to the child's agenda. We play in the pool. We dance together. Um, where usually he leads and um, I follow. Um, we play in the swimming pool constantly. We draw, we paint. We go out on our nature walks and we explore.
explore ant hills and leaves and um and all kinds of um, uh, material uh, that he sees in the environment around him um so yeah actually we try and make playful uh any experience that we are having whether it's writing even if he's got some some scribbling worksheets to complete we try and do it differently every time so let's see if we can do it with a pink color this time okay last time we used a crayon how can we do it differently let's practice it doing it upside down first on on a rough sheet so that we don't scare off your teacher <laughs> so let's practice it doing it differently this time so it's all about trying to explore the possibilities and what else can we do with something like this and that that permeates almost everything that we do together food food is another uh, we never end up finishing food in time uh, and we are the last two people sitting at the dining table uh, but uh, the peas become green eyes of a monster and uh, uh, oh. backward counting happens and a whole lot of a whole lot of playfulness gets into that that as well how fun well i i love your um emphasis on the process and the possibilities and i i see and hear so many people um who are telling me that as professionals whether they're educators or helping professionals in hospitals and or therapists or nurses or what have you they're they're comfortable in one area and they might even find that playful or they feel in the flow um say a physician in his surgery room or a writer at the sitting in front of the empty page they might feel really comfortable in that but then the the nurses social workers the educators who were talking to me are saying but i don't know how to be playful in every area that just seems incredible how can i do that i don't get what you're saying so what would you what would you say additionally to that how how can these professionals and moms and dads for that matter be more playful in all areas of life how can they see that i think that's very important uh, uh especially if you're working with children or around children uh, they need to see playful adults uh, so that uh, they appreciate the value of what they're doing and that has a lot to do with uh, Uh, building their self-worth um uh, a lot of educators a lot of caregivers uh, find it very difficult to play because a because they are they define themselves very narrowly within the parameters of their job description so my job description is i'm supposed to do a b c and d and i'm not supposed to do e f and g so i'm not i'm just going to follow that very sternly and very strictly uh and to some extent we as employers as 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 seniors in 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 the profession we appreciate that and we think that's a very efficient way of doing things um but they need you know we need to go back and we need to say all right you need to do a b and c a b c and d but how are you doing that a b c and d it's the how that needs to be questioned uh questioned and uh, uh it it's it's about perceiving play as something human some, not something frivolous not something that children do and that's 
that's that's another um, dichotomy that we face as parents, as educators, as caregivers. Uh, these these are three uh, people that I constantly interact with, and uh, we take play to be something associated with children, or or something that adults do when they are not working to unwind, to relax. Now, if we were to take the same thing and try to do it playfully within our our jobs, within our professions, within our work, uh, it's going to make a significant amount of difference to the quality of work that we deliver. Uh, one way in which the educators, and that's how I, 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 I try and encourage the, the uh, uh, educators who are, have these young children around them, is uh, that you need to inject and you need to design the curriculum around play. You know, the, the, those somebody who's got a very firm handle on on the concept of play is game designers. They they've made the maximum use of of the traits of play, the patterns of play, and the whole paradigm of play and nuances of play. Now, if our curriculum designers were to look at look at look at how children learn through the lens of play, that would that would change the learning and the development that happens in our preschool settings. Dramatically, so that's that's one one uh, one thing I, I encourage them to do. Um, as far as the uh, parents are concerned, most parents that I interact with, uh, they have this very strange and and quite understandable dichotomy, considering the awareness they have and the pressures that they face. Um, and that dichotomy has to do with I understand and I value play. And that has not that has nothing to do with what play is, but because I have very good memories of play as a child, so I value it as a concept, uh, and I, I value it in the lives of other children. But when it comes to my own children, uh, you know, our world is so fluid, it's so uncertain. Now I want to leave my child with certain competencies, certain abilities, certain skills and very narrowly defined competencies and skills, uh, which will give me a certain kind of certainty that this child of mine would be safe, would do well in life, in that uncertain world that we are heading towards. So for my child, play is of very limited use, but otherwise I get the, I get the concept, it's great. So that's another dichotomy, that's another ambivalence that parents are dealing with, and uh, what helps them get past is if you play along with the parent and the child. And you make some of the learning, some of the development that happens during play very, very visible to the parent. And once they see these developments, these, these learnings, they are more appreciative and more accepting of play in the life, lives of their own children. Part of your expertise is around um, some of the cultural um, contexts in which play happens and learning happens, and you've both studied and worked in several different countries and different continents. Can, can you talk a little bit about what you see in those differences and similarities and, and kind of picking up on what you're just talking about, the role of adults and how they interact within play, does that look quite different in the different countries that you've done your work in around these topics? Uh, 
The similarity is uh, that children and adults, all of them play in all these settings, in all these geographical and cultural settings. How they play and how they perceive that is is, is different culturally and geographically. <laughs> For instance, in India, we have a very strong folk tradition. So we've got a lot of mythological figures, a lot of historical figures uh, who are very playful, and uh, you know we have a lot of folklore around them, songs, stories, etc. Uh, and then historically, uh, education became very restricted to the select few. So for the deprived many, it became a passport of social and economic mobility. So it was play was perceived to be a waste of time. If you wanted to move up in the social hierarchy, the political hierarchy, you had to focus on academics, on education, again, a very narrowly defined education. So in India, slowly and gradually, uh, the concept of playfulness, Indians became more tolerant to them, to the concept, rather than accepting and appreciative. Uh, Whereas in, in places like Indonesia, um, where, where I've spent a, a few years, uh, both adults and children are extremely playful, extremely playful in anything and everything that they do. Uh, for instance, um, um, even if, if you have uh, you know, a, a young man begging on, in the bus, uh, uh, he would be playing his guitar, he would be strumming his guitar, singing to you and talking to you in, in his own language with a smile on his face, which gives you the idea that there's, there's, there's some joyful activity happening within him, uh, which I would like to, to believe is play. Uh, and, and he would be begging, asking you for money. Uh, during the celebrations like Independence Day uh, uh, and other such occasions, the Indonesians, they organize neighborhood games and events. Again, a very strong community uh, community play. Uh, so uh, this is largely in these two countries. Uh, whereas in, uh, in Canada, uh, I, again, children were playing, adults were playing, but adults were not noticing what they were doing and consciously perceiving it to be play. Uh, and what I found was that there was a lot of seriousness, there was a lot of um, sternness to the way adults approached their own life and the, 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 the self-concept and that of children. So everything was needed to be safeguarded. There were a lot of concerns around safety and security uh, and as a result, play was minimalized in the lives of children as well as the adults. And that has not, nothing to do with uh, them not being playful. It's just that they were giving in to the environmental uh, considerations, the environmental uh, taboos around them, which prevented them from playing and playing consciously. Hey, Al, you talked about designing curriculum around play. 
And it occurred to me, wouldn't it be wonderful to design care plans in our medical systems and organizational plans that are playful for our larger organizations and corporations? Um, And so then it leads me to ask you, because you've done so much in the educational system and researching and curriculum building, what um, particular things you could point out that you would like to see in those curriculums or in the educational systems? What would you like to see in terms of play in in our educational systems? Uh, I three things. Uh, one would be the the curricular framework itself. Uh, we need to have uh, frameworks, and we don't need uh, very specific standards or syllabi. We don't need that for very young children. A framework in itself is good enough. A framework brings in flexibility, and that flexibility creates opportunities for a trained uh, and competent ECE teacher, ECE professional, design the right experiences, the appropriate play-based experiences for the children. Uh, Secondly, um, the schools, the organization, the educational institution itself needs to be very playful. Now, by playful, I I don't mean that they need to have beanbags around and Mickey Mouse on the walls. My sense of playfulness comes from the openness in terms of collaboration, the openness in terms of communication, the openness in terms of acceptance of differences and ideas, new ideas is concerned, because children are observing all this. Many institutions that that I've I've come across and I've worked in are very rigidly uh, organized into hierarchies. That does not encourage playfulness. Uh, So that's the second... uh, and the third has to do with the environment. The environment needs to be uh, structured and designed in a way so that children freely, openly explore, learn, develop on their own. And that's, that's what uh, 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 some of the uh, philosophies have evolved around. And uh, this is very... Uh, this is a very significant chunk of curriculum, which is called the emergent curriculum, that as the child explores and the environment becomes a third teacher, the curriculum emerges out of that, out of that interplay between the child and the environment. Now, all this is possible only if we, if we perceive childhood in a certain way, and that is if we perceive children to be capable to be competent, to be intelligent human beings based on the limited experiences that they've had in their li- in the few years of their life. And also the perception of self by the adults in, in such setups. So those are the, the underlying the underpinnings of, of the three of the three um, characteristics that need to evolve if education spaces need to get more playful. Do you have examples from some of the schools that you've been working with or observing where where people have made strides towards what you just described? Uh, yes, uh, there, uh, there are, there are the schools that I'm I'm visiting currently 
they're spread across the spectrum as far as their playfulness and their acceptance of the power of play and, and use of that is concerned. Uh, at one end of the spectrum are schools uh, which have identified and who have recognized uh, over the years, again, they've evolved, they didn't, didn't come to them overnight, uh, that play is a powerful aid, not an adversary of the educator. And if, the, if they can use this aid to, um, to help their children achieve certain learning outcomes, which all education institutions have, uh, then those can be uh, they, they can design experiences, learning experiences for the children around these uh, play-based activities. The children here are far more interactive, communicative, expressive, creative. Uh, if, if they're making something out of, for instance, if they're making something out of hula hoops and, and cones, and you ask them what they're making, they'll give you an, an expanded narrative about it. Uh, and at the other end, and, and their happiness quotient is always at a high. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum are schools uh, which have somehow missed the boat. And they have, uh, they have created these very rigid structures, like rows of seating that you see with the sage on the stage sort of approach, talking to this, uh, this, this, these three years old, four years old, uh, and in a very uh, university kind of a lecture room. The, the children there are very shy. The children there are non-communicative, largely non-communicative. Children there are less independent. They're always waiting on cues, taking cues from the teacher, instructions from the teachers on what to do, uh, and have very poor self-control and executive functions. Um, and their happiness quotient varies. So there are spots of smiles that you see, but the rest of the time, it's just a straight face. Uh, having said that, kids at both the ends of the spectrum uh, amazingly find these opportunities and these windows to be playful. So even if the non, even if it is a non-playful school, you'll find kids picking up their, you know, in India, the students are, are supposed to wear an eye card around their neck, an identity card around their necks. So they, the kids are picking up these eye cards and pretending it to be a phone and having a conversation uh, with, uh, a pretend conversation with someone. So they find these opportunities. Yes, at one end, the opportunities are few and limited, and at the other end, uh, they are manifold. I uh, have had a number of people responding to through me to your post about the uninterrupted child, and I I just think it's a wonderful post and um, the pictures and the the narrative you have there about the what what happened to the flow of play um, in a certain experience. Um, is really um, very telling. And I also um, have seen that same scenario for those folks who want to go to your blog and find that pose of the uninterrupted child. Um, the, there, there's a similarity that I see in so many instances with adults as well, where there's some task being done in a certain system and somebody comes along and interrupts that flow and... Um, 
and the creation that can come out of that. So um, I wonder what you have to say about that that post and as we're winding down our time together. Uh thanks, thanks. Uh I, I'm glad you could you could read what I was writing in that post. <laughs> and, oh definitely uh, I <laughs> I I I I can relate to some of that. Uh, uh, in India, we are a very talkative nation. We are a very talkative culture, and so was it in Indonesia as well. So you know, disruptions like that are are so common, even if even in in, in the lives of adults, uh, that you need to find secluded spots. Uh, uh, my husband and I we we often joke that you know, in order to do something worthwhile, we will have to. Uh, go to the mountains, you know, go to the Himalayas, perhaps, <laughs> and buy a house there and live there. Uh, but his concern is that 10 years, 15 years down the line, Himalayas is going to be equally populated. <laughs> so <laughs> we should stay here. Uh, but I, I, I hear you uh, as far as the adults' in- interruptions are concerned. And again, I think that goes back to how reflective, how contemplative, and how uh, process centered are we as adults uh, if we are hurried rushed adults are uh, more interested in getting the job done uh, then there is an element of uh, uh, or disrespect and disruption that comes very naturally to us very unconsciously to us in fact in some cases it becomes a reflex action but if we are more conscious about us I have to apologize yeah. to interrupt you to yeah. say thank you because we've we've come to the end so quickly, and so thank you very much for joining us on Creativity and Play. Payal Mahajan is an international educator and author of Play Is Work. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. You can listen to this show and previous shows again and find information about all our guests and coming shows on creativityandplay.com. Creativity and Play is the production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you for joining us, Hale. Thank you very much. Thank you.